This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, as I do every week, I want to thank Rabbi Shabtai for giving me the opportunity to learn together with you. This week is Parshas Matos and Masay. There's actually a lot to talk about, um, both in Parshas Matos and Masay. Um, we are only going to focus on one particular area at the very beginning of Parshas Matos, which discusses the halachos that pertain to taking on nidarim, to taking on shruos, to taking on vows, promises, or swears, and what the responsibilities that are involved with that. The Torah tells us, if you take a look at the four, first page of our hand, the uh, Torah says, Ish Hashem, A person makes a vow on something that is halachically meaningful towards Hashem, so to speak. Oh, or he takes some type of swear, promise, responsibility to prohibit something for himself. He shall not be mechel. He shall not be mechalel. He shall not desecrate his words. Anything that leaves, that departs from his mouth, he should do. Rashi famously comments, It doesn't just mean to profane. He should not make your words like chulin, like mundane. Very unclear exactly what Rashi is talking about. And we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions on the sequence of this particular Pasuk that we are going to learn together. And the first question is, It's a very strange language. Why does the Torah employ the word Meaning the Torah is telling you, if you're going to take on an Eder, if you're going to take on some type of vow, promise, or swear that is going to lock you into something that you're going to need to fulfill a commitment for, so the Torah should have said, Just say, you made an edder, do not violate that which you committed to do. Why did the Torah utilize a more unusual language of chulin, which lends itself more to the discussion of kachim and taros, of sacrifices, of thinking, keeping certain things tar. Why did the Torah seem to use what would seem to be an unusual language when it could have said something far more direct? You make an eder, you make a vow, make sure you keep to that what you do. Make sure you do what you committed to do. The second question that the Nesiva Shalom quotes is it seems to be the last four words of the Pesach are superfluous. Right? The Torah says, if you're going to make a neder, if you're going to make a vow, or you're going to take on some type of commitment through a shvua that's going to cause you to refrain from something, don't profane your words, which obviously means you got to keep to that which you committed to do. And then the Torah adds, that which comes out of your mouth you are to do. Says the Nesiva Shalom, what do you mean? We just said that. Don't profane, don't desecrate, don't violate your words. Why did the Torah feel compelled to add four more words that seem to be yumiyutar, that seem to be superfluous, when the Torah says, that which comes out of your mouth, you are to do. If I remember at the end, I'll share with you another beautiful insight, not from the Islam Rebbe, that I saw yesterday, that answers this second question in a different vein, in a different approach. But let's stick to the Nesiva Shalom first to make sure we get that under our belts. And if I have a couple of minutes at the end, I'll provide for you a little dessert at the end. And he says as follows. And he asks actually one more question. He says, you know what? Even the concept of a nether itself requires some explanation. How is it that I can go ahead and through my speech 
prohibit something to myself. Something is objectively mutter, something is objectively permitted to me, and somehow I can just use my speech and it completely changes the category and the character of that item. How can it be that simply my words can have such a profound impact on another object where the Torah itself did not prohibit? So we have three questions. Number one, to try to understand a little bit better this unusual language of when it could have just said, uh, make sure that you don't violate your words. Why the words Number two, why is there a superfluous uh, ending to the Pasuk? That anything comes out of your mouth, you are to do. And the Torah said that already when it says, Lo yachal dvaro. And number three, how are we to understand what is the mechanism of Pimach Shava? How are we to understand how our mouths and the words that come out of, our, out of our mouths can have such a major impact on changing the category, on changing the definition of items that are external to us? And the Siva Shalom introduces a, a yisod based on a Rabbeinu Yonah in Pirkei Avos. And he says as follows. He says the following. Rabbeinu Yonah says on the, in the first parak of Pirkei Avos, Mishnah Yud Zayim, Ki Yehudi HaMakadosh is piv. Naaseh piv keklishares. A Jew who sanctifies his mouth, who uses his mouth for Kedush and Tara, turns and converts his mouth to a klisharis, one of the vessels utilized, used in the Mishkan, in the Beis HaMikdash. Ukeshem sheklisharis mekadish es ha-mincha munachas b'socha. Just as when you place a mincha offering, you place the flour, the oil, you put, place it into this vessel, because this vessel has kedusha as part of, as one of the, the uh, kalim of the Beis HaMikdash, it converts what otherwise was just flour and some other ingredients to now something that is kadosh, um kedusha, now becomes holy. The same is true when it comes to the speech of a Jew. The words that come out of a Jew's mouth, there is a certain koach that a Jew, unlike all other creations, that even above and beyond other uh, human beings, the Jew not only has what we would call the koach adibor, the power of speech that elevates us above other creatures that Hashem has created, but the koach adibor that a Jew has, bikdusha uvitahara, in sanctity and purity, has a leg up even above other human beings, that it can change the essence, it can change the reality of other things in this world. Yeshloma, how do we know this? How do I know that my speech can be compared to as a klishares, that the same way that a vessel can change the identity of something from being chulin mundane to something kadosh, something holy and tahor and pure? How do I know that? So he quotes a pasuk from Yeshaya. The pasuk says that Hashem says, Amzu that I created this nation so that they could say praise to me. What does that mean? So says the Nesiv Shabbat, you know what Hashem is saying? It's all about why did Hashem create the Jew? Why did He create Am HaNifchar, Klal Yisrael? In order so that they should be able to praise me. So that the Jew should have the ability. I created the Jew to be able to praise me, to be able to sing songs to me. 
since Hashem says that the whole purpose of why I created the Jew is to be able to praise me, we learn out from this Pasuk that the same way that we have Klishares, we have these vessels that on their own don't have any significance, but when dedicated to the Beis HaMikdash and you place anything into these Kalim, into these vessels, that which was otherwise considered to be chulin and mundane and lacking any type of sanctity and purity, when you place it into that vessel, it now becomes pure. It's Meshulchan Gavoa, it's from the Mizbeach. The same is true when it comes to the mouth of a Jew. The mouth of a Jew was given to us to sing songs and praise to the Rebona Shalom. And therefore, the same way that we have a klisharis that converts and changes the category and identity of objects, our mouths, like the klisharis, can externally change the category and identity of the reality. The Kavish, okay, fine. He says the same thing. A pasuk says this a little bit. He says, He says, The pasuk says that Balak, the son of Tzipor, saw that which uh, Klaishol did to Emori. Homiletically, says the Be'er Avram, one of the previous Slan of the Rebbe's, Perush, Shebalak Rosh, Eskol Asher Asa, Balak saw that which all was done, Komash Asa Kodesh Baruch Hu, that which Hashem did, who Bishvil Yisrael lo emori. Okay, you understand the chap of the words. Because of the fact that Hashem saw that everything the Jewish people did, did it through their mouth. They were Makadeshim Shamayim with their mouths. That was the reason, the justification Hashem had to defend the Jewish people. She Yehuda Yomar Lafan of Yisbach Dibori Kodesh. They said incredibly sanctified, holy things. That was the whole purpose of why Hashem created the world, because they sang songs to me. And we know, of course, that the whole premise, everything about Klal Yisrael and our Avodah Hashem is all predicated on Dibor. How do I know? Right? Two of those three items that hold up the world can only be performed through Dibor. So we've seen through the eyes of Yeshaya in uh, recording the motivation behind why Hashem created the world was so that we could sing songs. We saw that Hashem only defended the Jewish people in the Midbar was because Hashem did it because Klai Yisrael used their words We see that two of the three legs, so to speak, of the world's being Miskayim, the whole world is predicated, the whole world is based and survives on Torah and Avodah, which can only be accomplished which can only be accomplished through Dibor. But not only that, the Zohar says on Shabbos the Kodesh, when we sanctify Shabbos, Zachrei B'dvarim, Ikar Mitzvah Midah Raisi Yad Yadiyah Dibor. V'chein Zohar says, Eisah Shasal Lacham Leka Mitzvah Hibepeh. Where we have a lot of these Zechiros, the Sheis Zechiros, many of the fundamental pr- principles, some of our core values, once again, can only be performed by way of speech. Ikar Avodas Hashem Hi Al Yadiyah Hapeh. And in summary, says the Nesiva Shalom, you see that so much of our service to Hashem is through our mouths. And so therefore our mouths are one of the klisharis, one of those holy vessels of the Beis HaMikdash. The klisharis, these vessels, were designated to serve Hashem. Similarly, when it comes to our mouths, they are ultimately designated to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And so therefore, says the Nesiva Shalom, now we can start to understand 
the questions and why the Torah utilized the specific language that it did. Remember, the first question that we asked was, why use this lashon of lo yichala dvaro, lo dvaro chulin? It seems to be a word that's utilized usually for things like kachim and taros. Says the Nesiv Shalom, correct. Your mouth is one of the klishares. Your mouth was designated to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So much of our service of Hashem rests on the shoulders, so to speak, of how we use our, our mouths. If we don't use our mouths in the right way, then we're being mechalel. We're profaning. We're desecrating them. We have to be mindful if we take on a neder, if we take on a shvo, we have to make sure to fulfill those requirements. We can't just put them off to the side. Ah, it's nothing. It just left my mouth. What's the big deal? Devarim ba'alma. The speech doesn't matter. It has no real impact. No, the answer is that speech has every impact. It plays such an integral role in our avodah Hashem. What about the fact that the Torah says, Kachol, Kachol, Hayotze, Why that superfluous language? So take a look at the last couple of lines on the second page. Uh, we said that already. Where is that? Um... I just lost my place. Where did he say that? Hold on. The idea is, I can't find it right now, but the idea is that it's not enough just to follow the ned there, but you also have to realize that every single thing that comes out of your mouth has to be taken seriously. And that's why it would seem to be on an objective, on a surface level, it seems a little difficult to understand what my... My, uh, my speech can go ahead and affect if something becomes prohibited to me. My speech somehow requires me to do something that the Torah otherwise didn't require me to do. The answer is yes. One's speech is so integral to our avodas Hashem. That's why Hashem created us. That's why Hashem saved us in the Midbar. So many of our mitzvos, Talmud Torah, Tefillah, the Zechiros, Kiddush, so much depends on how we use our mouths. And that, says Rashi, is why he's telling us that lo we have to be so careful in how we use our mouths. I think a lot of us are very flippant. We're very uh, easygoing when it comes to our using our mouths. We, right, we have the word, we're shooting our mouth off. We'll shoot from the hip. We don't oftentimes think about, have that filter on, to think, how are we using our mouth? The same mouth that we daven with, the same mouth that we learn with when we're in other environments and find ourselves in other contexts, we don't necessarily use it in the same way. Would anybody ever dare take one of the klisharis for the Beis HaMikdash and use it to have a bowl of chicken soup? Even my shvigar's chicken soup? Chas v'shalom! No one would ever take a klisharis to use for anything other than kedusha. And yet when it comes to our mouths at the Shabbos table, when it comes to our mouths on the tennis courts, when it comes to our mouths when we're eating in a restaurant, all of a sudden the filter's off, we forget about the dafyomi, we forget about the davening three times a day, and we're in a different context. We don't necessarily have to have our sensitivities, our antennas are up. Says the Torah over here, no, you have to understand, as the Mishnah in Pirkei Yavos with the commentary of Rabbeinu Yonah is, Ki Yehudi HaMakadish Yispiv, Nase Piv Keklishares. When you use your mouth for the right reasons, you have sanctified that mouth is kiviyacho ki'ilu. It's one of the klishares. It's a powerful lesson, certainly as we find ourselves during the Ben Amitzarim, as we find ourselves during the three weeks where, you know, we oftentimes have to reflect on our interpersonal relationships. And sometimes the closer we are to somebody, the less our filter is on. The closer we are to somebody, the antennas sometimes descend instead of ascending. We're less sensitive to the words that come out of our mouths. 
we have to take a step back for a moment. We have to introspect. We have to reflect. We have to determine, are we using our mouths like the klishares? Or are we, as Rashi says, making it like chulin? Are we desecrating it? Are we using our mouths for things that we would be embarrassed about if we were sitting in the shul during that show? I think that's a very, very powerful lesson that we can learn from this week's parsha. But I do have two more minutes, and I happen to have seen another beautiful insight about the question of what the Torah is telling us with, the, with those extra four words, Again, the Torah already says, Don't profane, don't desecrate your words. Which implies, obviously, that whatever neder shvuah you've taken on, you have to bring to fruition. You have to fulfill your commitments. You put the little tab down on that commitment, you got to make sure to take care of it. What is the Torah adding when he says, when the Torah says, Listen to this unbelievable insight. I never heard of him before, but it's sad that Listen to what he says. He says, you know, when a person makes a neder, when a person is inspired, and they say, all right, I was at the Tziyum I'm going to start the Daf Yomi. Uh, you go to a shir during the Umm period. We make our New Year's resolutions. We're all pumped. We're enthusiastic. We're excited. We're passionate. We're going to take care of business. This is the new me. Everybody has that level of excitement when you make the neder. But when it comes to after the Umm period, or you're three weeks into the Daf, that excitement, that exuberance has dissipated. We are no longer have that same energy that we had when we initially made the neder. Listen to what he says. Says Rabbi Tzvi, When you make that neder, don't desecrate it. The same way you had that passion when those words left your mouth, inject within yourself that energy and that excitement you actually take upon yourself and you're actually ready to engage in that action. Don't lose the passion, don't lose the energy, don't lose the excitement. The same way when you made the net there, you were inspired by that shear and you decided to take something on, make sure that you're able to entertain, to engage, to sustain that level of passion and excitement when you're ready to actually bring that commitment to fruition. It's an important lesson, kind of independent of what we're talking about from the vantage point, the angle of the Nesiva Shalom, but it's an important thing that we have to not only take our commitments seriously, but whatever we were inspired to take on at different points in our life throughout the different parts of our year, we have to make sure that we try to sustain that level of intensity, to try to ensure that the, the passion, the energy, and the excitement we had when we made that commitment to ourselves, when we were inspired, make sure to jump on that commitment and make sure that when we fulfill the commitment, we have that same level of excitement. So in summary, we learned two powerful insights. Number one, making sure that our words are taken seriously, making sure that they're not understanding as the Rabbeinu Yonah told us. We have to realize that our mouths can become the klishares. We have to realize that our, our, our Vodas Hashem is predicated based on so much of how we use our mouths in the same way we'd never eat chicken soup out of the klishares. We have to make sure to, 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 to guarantee that we continue to use our mouths in only a holy, sanctified, Kedusha Tahara type of way. And as Rav Shvirus Mivadislav says, when you make a commitment, it's not just about having the excitement when you make the commitment, but make sure that when you're ready to take on the commitment and you're actually going to actualize it, you have that same level of passion, excitement, and energy. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.